and I think that for patients, it's it's easy. So they there are some people who just don't want to go to the surgery. They might have mobility issues. They might have young children. They can't get childcare. Um, they might want to work things around their job. And so I think it really does help patients just having an app and knowing that their doctor's going to call at some point and they can just get on with their day-to-day and they don't have to sit in a waiting room for three hours. So I think it's definitely kind of here to stay. Let's face it, burnout amongst doctors is sky high and we're actively seeking other ways to make the most of our transferable skills beyond the usual career pathways. Welcome to Disrupting Doctors' Careers. I'm your host, Dr. Abena Bubbers-Jones, and I'm on a mission to connect one million doctors across the world with the best in diverse career opportunities. Welcome to Disrupting Doctors' Careers. I am your host, Dr. Abena Bubbers-Jones, and we are navigating the journey of alternative careers for doctors. And today we are talking about remote remote working as a doctor. What opportunities are there in the clinical and non-clinical capacity? And if you were listening to one of our previous podcast episodes on how to get a job in health tech, this is something you need to listen to. I talk about the three doors that you need to be exploring in order to get a job in health tech. Number one, the front door, which is the most competitive and the one that everyone does, which is applying for jobs advertised. The side door, which is awesome when you're already in a company and you find other opportunities in health tech for you to grow without that much competition. And the back door, which is when you actually get referred into a company. So we're going to talk about the side door as part of this um, really fascinating discussion and interview with the one and only Dr. Farah Virgie, who is a GP and clinical lead at telehealth company Livy. So thank you so much for joining us today, Farah. Um, it's really exciting to have you in the, the room, I say the virtual room. But let's get started with, well, as we're talking about remote working, why did you decide to move from traditional clinical GP work to working for a telehealth company? What was the main motivating factor for you? Absolutely. Um, so firstly, thank you for having me, um, Abena. I've been a listener for many years, so it's great to kind of finally meet you virtually. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. <laughs> so, um, yep, so I was doing um, a variety of locum roles when I finished GP training, um, trying to find where I fit in, trying to find a place where I might want to call kind of my work home one day and I did settle into a long-term role but I did feel that I was missing some variety in my day-to-day work and I just couldn't see myself solely seeing patients for the next kind of 30-40 years. Um, I'd always had a bit of an interest in other things so at university I intercalated in management so I was always particularly keen on learning more about kind of managing healthcare organizations and how the money behind it works and how the structure behind it works and I felt that was something that was missing in my in my role really so um, I tried to explore different opportunities I did a certification um, online with Harvard in technology entrepreneurship which um, I found really interesting so kind of the, the tech sparked I guess when um, I actually met another GP um, who was working for a digital health company who was locuming at the same place as me and um, she told me just about her journey and how she was predominantly non-clinical and it just sounded really fascinating so I looked a bit more into it and I wanted to find out a bit more about kind of technology entrepreneurship how does it how do you run a health tech business how do you 
get into health tech. Um, so that kind of sparked it really. And then I started looking up opportunities and I came across Livy. <laughs> um, so I just want to jump in there because I think it's really fascinating just to hear your journey um, through tech, through where you are today, but also the tech entrepreneurship bits and knowing where to to look to actually study that to a degree. So why Harvard and what did it actually involve? Like what kind of insights did it open for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Harvard, because um, there were quite a few courses available online, um, I went for it because I looked through kind of, I watched effectively the, the adverts for quite a few different ones. I felt that I kind of I found the lecturers easy to understand. They actually set you homework, which I liked. I'm a bit of a geek like that. Um, so there were things that I could do to actually engage with the course and submit and get responses on. There was a little test at the end and it was kind of a nice four month thing, um, which I thought was suitable and I could try and fit in out around work as much as I could. Um, it really helped kind of having a bit of time when I joined Livy to finish that off because I had the headspace to do it compared to being in a full-time NHS role. Um, so what I learned about, well, it, it took you everywhere from how to kind of find funding for these companies, what kind of factors you have to take into when setting them up. A huge component of it was actually kind of clinical risk. So learning more about, obviously, there are kind of huge risks associated when you're launching new tech, when you've got lots of patients that you're seeing you have to work within the confines of kind of restrictions based on which surgeries you're working with so there's lots of different things that come into play um, lots of governance that comes into play and I found it really interesting just learning about all of that um, as well as how to build things so it's kind of say you've got some capital what do you do with it how do you find somewhere to start um, and I think all of that just kind of drew my attention and learning more about it, I just thought this is great. I want to find somewhere where I can go that's kind of still in that, you know, startup phase as such, or just feels like it's still growing. Um, and that's what I went after. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, I think that's really fascinating. And um, yeah, it's interesting because like, I see that a lot of doctors are looking to educate themselves formally in digital health in one way or another. And actually that tech entrepreneurship master, um Kind of course actually sounds right up my street but knowing that I've got a billion on one things that I want to learn it's quite difficult to to go for that <laughs> but moving moving on to like where you're working now and remote working specifically as a GP what would you say the main benefits are for you considering your broad range of interests absolutely um so I think not having to physically be in a practice, um, not having to worry about commuting, it makes a huge difference. That flexibility that you get, the time that you save, um, and at least at Livy, kind of the role is a bit different to when you're in an NHS surgery. So when I'm in, in surgery, and I still do kind of one day a week, um, where you're always bombarded with various things, things that are not on your list. So you'll get someone knocking on your door saying someone's just turned up to reception, can you see them? You'll always end up inevitably kind of leaving late because you didn't finish all your paperwork on time. Remote working allows you to focus on the task at hand without having all those external factors interrupting. I think you work a bit more efficiently because you 
get the job done. You don't have all those distractions. And you actually have the headspace to explore other things. I found that I was so much more engaged in my course when I switched to Livy. Um, so I was probably about kind of two months in or so. And I just found it so much easier to actually focus on things because my head wasn't still thinking about kind of that patient who I saw at 7 p.m. I hope they're okay. Um, and so I think having the room to do that both mentally and kind of just cutting out things like the commute makes a huge difference. Um, so that work-life that work-life balance for sure um, is definitely a huge plus. Um, I think there are also just flexible working opportunities. So things like digital health companies, they tend to offer quite quite long hours. And so they'll appreciate that some people want to work in the evening. Some people want to work first thing in the morning. Some people mm. want to work around the school run. And just fitting things in is a lot easier rather than working to the confines of a surgery's opening hours yeah. or what time your colleagues work and just working around those other people. Um, so that, again, I think is a huge plus for me as well. Yeah, I mean, I completely echo what you're saying because I've been 100% remote working since around the pandemic actually so in occupational health we do in-person and remote clinics um, we can actually work from anywhere but since okay. the pandemic it's pretty much been mostly remote um, telephone and video but wow, I have to okay. say also I've had two children in, in that time as well <laughs> and it's, it's been great as wow. a mother to be able to work from home and continue with my mothering well, I say mothering but I'm actually looking after them during the day I have to say my my, my mother <laughs> looks after my kids but just being able to do things like seeing them during the day have lunch with them even breastfeeding yeah. I've been able to continue to breastfeed for both kids and it's just just have being able to have the choice to be able to do that has has really opened doors for me and as you said kind of Absolutely. being able to work around things but still earn money even going back to work yeah. after having a child not having to necessarily feel like you've got to wait a long time or even too short a time there's a lot more flexibility in being able to do that so I completely echo what you said like you know it has opened lots of opportunities one of the downsides that a lot of people yeah. do say complain about but raise is that you don't <laughs> get to obviously physically see anyone um I have because my husband also works remotely as well and he feels oh, wow. yeah he feels again like finding finding space in the house to work is another thing um but let's, let's think it's each other's toes exactly <laughs> exactly but he is more of a kind of I want to be um, amongst people person in person outside of the house I'm very much I can stay in my pajamas all day and work and not physically see anyone <laughs> but see loads of people online because I have a lot of calls during the day and I don't feel lonely that way but I'd love to hear from you like what is it like as a GP not physically being in a room full of GPs or with patients like has yeah tell me a bit more about that yeah um I think initially it was an adjustment. I'm used to kind of having coffee breaks and having a chat at work and knocking on someone's door. Um, and so it was a bit different. But I have to say, Livy does fix it quite well. So we've got, um, we use Teams, Microsoft Teams. Um, and so there's community groups that are set up on there. Um, I'm currently the well-being lead. And so I arrange kind of open forums where we all get together and chat once a month but when I first joined it was hard um, I was just like I have to converse with everybody remotely this is really odd like I can't just 
call someone because I don't know anyone <laughs> and I have to meet all these hey, people over chat. <laughs> yeah, exactly but weirdly enough it actually works that's what I did so kind of when I was looking through patients I saw the same name come up a few times and I thought oh this person's working on the same surgery as me and I just found her on teams and I messaged her and I was like hi we both work at the same place let's chat and it does take a bit of courage and it is a bit hard to do because just approaching someone but it really is okay um, and I think you get used to it after a while um, so we have quite active community chats that we all talk in um, we do have in-person socials but yes it's not the same as, as going in every day it's true um, but I do try and um, even just get out the house in my break so I'll go for a, a walk in lunch um, just to be able to get out see somebody I'll go and chat to my neighbour and it's a bit different um, but it's also nice because I didn't have the freedom to do that when I was at surgery I'd feel guilty I've got so much to do I can't just go for a walk in the middle of the day um, so I think it is different but you get used to it getting out of the house and being very diligent about that is also quite difficult I think when you're working from home um, I've, I've certainly found that particularly actually more recently having breakfast even like having breaks in the day actually do, like having my lunch and stepping away is becoming increasingly harder um, but the only the, the thing is, I definitely have to finish at a certain time because the kids have to go to bed. Um, so that's the only thing that actually just gets me out the, um, away from my desk. But then the other thing I was going to talk about is the tech. So yep. you know, one of because we've worked with a number of um, telemedicine companies, and one of the things that's really important to them when it comes to hiring doctors, either in a clinical or non clinical capacity, is their ability to navigate ta tech basically mm -hmm. um and and one of the things I was like but why why would that ever be an issue with doctors because we use tech all the time so I mean what what are your your thoughts on that with regards to yeah. you especially like you know in hospitals <laughs> the tech we use isn't exactly the greatest tech but we're still able to use it yeah. so how does <laughs> how, how does that compare to tech in, com in in telehealth companies is it difficult to use is it easy to use and why do do doctors struggle with it love your thoughts on that yeah absolutely and um, it's super easy to use um so kind of i log into um, a secure portal and i've got a list of patients and the next one comes up in my upcoming activities i click open and i click start video um, so it's really easy thankfully um so We've got tech support on hand at Livy and um, someone sets up your computer for you and sends it to you. So I didn't even need to worry about doing any of that. And I think quite a few digital health companies do the same now. I know there are some where you have to provide your own, um, but there are quite a few that do that do set it up for you and they offer that support. Um, doctors do struggle, I think, um, particularly when someone's been stuck in their ways for a certain way. So it's kind of like, I know how to use system one and that's what I know how to use. I don't want to learn how to use EMIS, for example. Um, but if we've got some contracts that need EMIS, then I think that switch is a bit different, but that's kind of more the, the medical system rather than the digital health stuff. The actual um, tech for digital health, I mean, there's it's, it's going to have its problems. I think there's always going to be a crash every now and then, but they're few and far between. Um, and there's always someone to help with it. So I think the, one of the great things about working at a tech company is you've got so many people who know how to fix this stuff. So if something does go wrong, mm -hmm. it's a very short downtime mm -hmm. um, and then it's fixed again, which is great. Um, and it just gives you, there's lots of things that you can do that just make it easier. So to 
set up a video call in my surgery, I have to kind of send the patient a link, wait for them to respond, and then they'll have to figure out how to allow permission for their mic. I've been there. I've been there. I know it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Before, by the time I've done all of that, pretty much I'm five minutes into their 10 minute appointment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So I love that you can just start a video call and the patient has the app downloaded so they're expecting a video call it's all allowed the permissions are done you just connect it straight away um and i love that so i think there's a lot you can gain from video calls um i think photos are great obviously but just from seeing someone and being able to assess are they well are they not having a conversation with Mm -hmm, them looking mm -hmm. at kind of simple things that you notice on observation are they do they have an increased work of breathing are they dehydrated things like that which are much easier to see on video than camera and I think initiating that video call is so much easy um, in these companies yeah and and also I can imagine your admin isn't as heavy as it would have been in a traditional surgery I don't have any admin which I love Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's one of the great great things um we've got a fantastic admin team who basically do it all for you so if I want to do a referral I'll just kind of do a one-liner and say dear colleague many thanks for seeing x with y details in a chat <laughs> consultation and then I just task it and they do nice. it it's great I love that that is great I love that and actually I'm thinking in occupational health basically most of our time is spent writing reports for managers okay. and I think that because actually I've come across thinking about tech and productivity at work and automation I've come across a number mm. of actually this is a business idea but I'm just going to say it anyway just in case anyone wants to do it they're <laughs> listening take away my idea I haven't patented it yet um is to use AI um and listening just for for report writing for <laughs> occupational health physicians or occupational health practitioners you would make a lot of money and you would save a lot of time if you design that software. And I think that something like Otter AI is probably, <laughs> it can do that now. So yeah, you heard it here first. Yeah, you really can. Yeah, just design something for <laughs> occupational really. health and you will be rolling in it. Anyway, moving forward, <laughs> sorry, it's like on a tangent. Um, remote working in general for, for doctors. So I get a lot of requests and queries from doctors who are like, are there any other things that I can do um, remotely that's not necessarily clinical? What other options are there? Um, and I say pretty much anything you can do remotely these days. Um, but like where, what, what kind of options can you think of when we're talking about doctors working remotely? For example, um, consulting is one of the areas that we, we work um, yeah. with. I know no, a lot. I know some companies, consulting um, companies that are like only remote. Um, but I'd love to hear from you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I didn't know kind of there are consulting companies that are only remote. Yeah, <laughs> they, they packed up their um, office with the pandemic and they were gone. And everyone works from home across wow. the country. And, you know, it saves on overheads when it comes to office space and lease and all of that stuff. So it makes sense. Absolutely. And as you know, a lot of consulting uh, takes place in on site of the customers or the clients so whether that's mm. NHS Trust or any other companies or organizations so do you need an office yeah um so I guess in terms of opportunities for for doctors that are non-clinical I mean I, I guess the most common kind of ones are, are lots of kind of seeing patients online for digital health companies one-on-one um 
there are opportunities. So it depends if you if you want to join one of those companies, you'll often find opportunities within that, which we can definitely talk about. Um, but other things that I've seen people do. So there are some lifestyle companies that offer kind of blood mm. tests. They need doctors to interpret mm. the results, contribute to the medical content on there. So they often mm. have things on their website, articles um, and writing those things requires requires a medic or at least kind of to oversee them. So those are some opportunities that I've seen around um, some surgeries actually offer remote shift so as well as seeing patients they do just admin shifts which i've seen pop mm. up every now and then so just someone to go through bloods letters scripts from home um, things like that i've come across report writing for insurance companies so um i think i think your your idea will probably come in handy for those people too <laughs> but um so things like um vaccine damage payment schemes um they they have some work that they outsource to doctors who go through patient notes and then write a report on whether they think that patient circumstances are due to a vaccine or not. Um, so that's an interesting opportunity. But if you did wish to kind of explore a digital health company, so for example, when I um, ended up at Livy, I wanted to do some non-clinical work as well. And um, after being there for a couple of months, some opportunities came up and they have kind of an audit team, they have a mentoring team and they have a media team. And so I found all of that really exciting because it's non-clinical work that I can do for the same employer and um, alongside seeing patients. And so I did pursue that as well. Um, so a lot of it was um, audit related work. So obviously kind of we're required to, to meet the same standards. We had a CQC rating, which is outstanding, which is great. Um, and so there's, um, lots of auditing that goes on at Livy and um, yeah. lots of an opportunity to get involved with that and some people find it really interesting. Um, so I was going to say I think that's a really that... interesting point that you've made when it comes to looking within your existing organisation or your existing circle for these kind of opportunities yeah. that are non-clinical that you can do remotely but actually that segues on to you getting the job as clinical lead at Livy. Yes. So I'd love to hear a bit more about that story as to because obviously you joined Livy as a GP doing clinical work and then this opportunity came up. So what made you want to go for it? And what was that experience like actually going through that interview process? So what made me go for it? So I by the time that job um, was advertised so it's all internal they didn't advertise it externally and I think that's kind of still what we do um, so by the time that advert came up I had been a Livy mentor um, I'd been on the audit team and I'd been on the media team so I'd um, written some articles for the website and for various um, newspapers and so I felt like I'd already done quite a bit of the the work that may kind of come up within a lead GP role um, I think what what led me to pursue it was I really enjoyed the things that I did, um, the non-clinical work, perhaps even more than the clinical work. Mm. And I thought, I want more of this. I want it to be guaranteed because mm -hmm. this is all ad hoc work. And um, you have your mentees and you obviously see them and that's regular. Um, but I wanted it to be something that I can make the majority of my work. And the other thing that I found was I really enjoyed mentoring. I really enjoyed meeting kind of my colleagues and learning about their journeys and working through things with them. Um, the role that came up was um, was what the lead for the NHS services. And I knew that I wanted to maintain that connection and work within the NHS and be able to work across kind of different surgeries and partnerships. And that was really important to me as well. So it seemed like a good fit. Um, I knew that the things that I had done so far, I'd enjoyed. It was 
really easy actually because I'd met a few of the clinical leads at the time um, with all the other non-clinical work that I'd done for them. I think I felt like we got on really well and I think it makes a difference um, recruiting internally. So you know the people a bit more, you've kind of worked with them and they know what your, yeah. what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. Yeah. Um, and the interview is such, so there were, um, I think there were some questions linked to kind of where do you see AI fitting in in the long term? Um, and also just in terms of checking your understanding with regards to how things are run differently when it is a, a company. Um, and it's different to when you're working in an AHS surgery. There's also kind of other aspects to think about um, and just making sure that you're engaged with that and you're actually aware of that as well. So um, I had my interviews with um, all of the associate medical directors, um, so two separate stages. Um, and then I got the job, so that was great. So what kind um, of things did they I ask really you? enjoyed it. I was say, what kind of things did they ask you in your interview? So this, this is really interesting because like, a lot of doctors like to skip over this bit. Yeah, yeah I interviewed and then I got the job. So like, I'd love to hear a little bit more <laughs> about what were you asked yeah, um, so, and what, what was that actual process like yeah. for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a couple of years ago, so I'm trying to think back. <laughs> um, but a lot remember? Yeah, what do I remember is the question. Um, so definitely kind of what makes you a good fit for this job? Why do you think that you'd be good at it, having looked at the job description? Um, and so the job description was um, things like clinical governance, a lot of that, um, a lot of mentoring, um, engaging in education and performance management. What else? Also um, testing AI. So kind of every time we launch a new project or a new product, we need to test it that it works clinically before we roll it out to our GPs. And so are you able to assess clinical risk? Um, and it was great that I'd done a whole module on that in my technology entrepreneurship course. Um, so I think that put me in good stead for answering those questions. Um, there were a few um, with regards to kind of your on-call and somebody's called you and they've got this problem. How would you manage it? What do you think is the best solution? Um, how do you think that working at Livy is different to working in the NHS from a business perspective? Mm. So, for example, there'll be, there might be pressure to launch something because it needs to go forward. Um, that's not something that you'd really come across in your normal day-to-day -day job as a GP. You're not launching new services. You're mm -hmm. not doing all this stuff. Um, what makes you think that you can do it? <laughs> um, if you were to change something about Livy, what would it be? What do you feel like your focus would be if you had that freedom to, to do that? What makes you different? <laughs> that was another question. Mm. Um, so what makes you special? Mm. Why, why and you... and what, when, you, when that particular question is interesting, because that's essentially asking you, what are your unique selling points? So yeah. what was it that you said that you think really stood out in the interview? So there were a few things. Um, I think one of the key things was I'm a self-starter, so um, I know what I want and I try and go after it. I, um, my kind of, my parents didn't kind of, we weren't rolling in money. We couldn't pay for it in private school. Um, I funded my own education from the age of 11 wow. with scholarships. Um, okay. So um, wow. I thought that was a good selling point. Did, did the um, tech and entrepreneurship then, background and experience and insights, do you think that helped in any way in your... Yeah, absolutely. So kind of my next, my next part of that was um, that I wasn't afraid to explore different things. So when I was at uni, I went down the management side to try and explore what's going on there. I finished GP training. I wasn't content with just sitting still and being a GP. I went to explore this um, and I learned about 
how these companies work. And I think that was a huge plus because I got lots of questions from then on about what did you do in this course? What did they teach you? Yeah. And how is it helpful? Um, and so I think that was a really good kind of selling point for me um, that I'd shown initiative to explore something that I had this interest in and actually pursue it formally. Yeah, um, great. great. I mean, well, well done, I have to say, in getting to where you are now <laughs> and being a mentor for other doctors who are growing within the organisation and also influencing quite a large, impactful tech company and healthcare um, as it stands so with the, again going back to like the main topic of this discussion um, <laughs> with, like, with, with regards to remote working where do you see it going for let's say GPs in the future so I know that at the moment there's a bit of a battle between in-person and remote working depending on the needs yeah. of our population but where, where are we going with this at the moment would you say? looking five years or 10 years from now? I think we're heading to a hybrid model. Mm. Um, so I don't think that we can solely remote work because some patients just do need to be seen. Um, and that's just how it is. There's a, there's some things that you can't manage remotely. And I think that's very much appreciated, at least at, at Livy kind of, it's very much appreciated that if someone can't be managed safely remotely, it's fine. Just book them in, get them seen somewhere. Um, and I think that for patients, it's, it's easy. So they, there are some people who just don't want to go to the surgery. They might have mobility issues. They might have young children. They can't get childcare. Um, they might want to work things around their job. And so I think it really does help patients just having an app and knowing that their doctor's going to call us on point and they can just get on with their day to day and they don't have to sit in a waiting room for three hours. So I think it's definitely kind of here to stay. I think it's, I think there's huge advances that could be made. We've got kind of there's instant messaging options, there's kind of sharing photos with your doctor, there's kind of questions back and forth, there's medical content, there's so many other things that you can do within these companies. Um, but I think there are some people who do prefer to be seen face to face, and there are some people who need to be seen face to face. And I think the ideal is having a bit of both. Um, and I think even as a GP, I like having that combination. So as much as I enjoy my remote work and I enjoy my, my days with Livia, I also kind of, I want my, my one day where I just go and I see patients and I talk to them. And I think it's important to maintain those skills as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think we're definitely moving towards a hybrid. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I, I just want to say, I think you are highly inspiring. And it's great oh, what you've achieved yeah, so far. And I really look forward to seeing where you go. Because I know, obviously, in your organisation, there are other levels of seniority that you mentioned, the associate medical director roles, and beyond, or other organisations that I'm sure that you can make a great impact clinically and non clinically as well That's very kind of you what, what advice would you give to doctors who are exploring work on a purely remote basis moving forward don't be afraid to try different things. You may not find the one that works for you straight away. You may try something and absolutely hate it, and that's fine. I've done my fair share of, of remote jobs I didn't like, um, and I think you have to explore and don't give up. Um, take care of your mental health if you're kind of looking at fully remote working. It can get isolating if you're not seeing other people, and I think perhaps thinking about maintaining even a job where you spend half a day going in to see other people and kind of meeting your colleagues. Um, I think that's something to think about, but 
like you were saying, everybody's different and some people are fine with just working remotely. But make sure that you take, don't let, I think it's very easy for the the boundaries to come a bit blurred when you're working from home. Um, and just make sure that you focus on not letting that happen. Um, definitely be able to have, have something that keeps you in check. Even little things that I sometimes plan something in my lunch break that forces me to leave the house so I'll say I have to return this parcel I need to go to the post office I'm going to do that at one o'clock and that's what I'm going to do yeah, <laughs> and that way get you out the house gets you doing something else I have a parcel that I've been meaning to take to the post office downstairs um for several weeks <laughs> now and do you know where the post office is I live next door to the post office. <laughs> Plan it for a lunch break and I have not made it. But yeah, I, th- I think that's really good to actually book that time in so that you leave the house. But anyway, thank you so much, Farah. I really, really sincerely appreciate you. your insights. And on behalf of the medical community, we really look forward to seeing how you thrive um, in your career um, as to whatever you want it to be as Dr. Farah Muraji and particularly in digital health which I'm sure you will continue making a really great impact not only in the space but also for patients so thank you thank you so much for your time thank you thank you for having me